Welcome to the PTNP, Pearls of Pediatric Evidence-Based Practice. I'm your host, Becky Carson, pediatric nurse practitioner and clinical assistant professor at Catholic University of America. And as we continue our series on babies in today's episode, I want to talk about an issue that has been plaguing my household for the last month, infant dyskesia. Babies are born tabula rasa, blank slate, without knowing how to do lots of things that they will eventually master, including poop. Stay tuned as we discuss the presentation and management of the infant who hasn't yet learned how to poop. One of my favorite family pictures is of my newborn son at about six weeks old and my husband. My son is crying ferociously, arms flailing, legs stick straight, while my husband holds him with a giant goofy grin on his face that says, oh, this screaming baby in my arms, we're great because there's nothing I can do about it. So nothing to see here. We're good. We're good. I love it because of the dichotomy of the screaming infant with the joyful father that seems so contradictory. But I also love it because it's infant dyskesia in a picture. It seems terrible, but there's nothing to do but grin and bear it. Let's pick it apart from the beginning. Infant dyskesia refers to the discomfort a newborn infant experiences when bearing down against a closed anal sphincter. It can cause them a lot of distress, and this leads to a red-faced, crying baby that grunts and screams and keeps you up all night. Pooping seems like such a simple, automatic process to adults, but remember that babies are not just small adults. Babies actually have to learn how to poop by coordinating the tightening of their abdominal muscles with the relaxing of their pelvic floor and rectal muscles in order to pass gas or stool. I like to think of it like the Far Side cartoon, with the boy trying to push in the door to no avail when there is clearly a sign that says, pull. When the baby squeezes against a closed anus, no stool or gas can exit, so they'll scream, cry, turn red or purple, and they may or may not actually pass anything but the key feature is that the stool is soft when they finally get it out. Parents can be just as stressed as babies about this, because as you can imagine, the baby is stressed out by the sensation and it can last for 10 to 20 minutes, which is a very long time to try to comfort a stiff, screaming baby. Parents will commonly present and tell you that their infant has constipation. So how do you distinguish between infant dyskesia and true constipation? First, you should clarify what they mean because you need to get the subtle history details. Also, never let a parent or a patient give you the diagnosis. You want to know symptoms and then you can decide the diagnosis based on the history and clinical exam. So what would be some red flags of concern in the history for a patient that's having straining? When completing the newborn history, we ask parents whether the infant has voided and stooled in the first day of life. This history item is an essential clue as to whether the patient could have underlying pathology as to the reason for actual constipation. Other history items of concern surrounding a patient who has straining or painful bowel movements that should be red flags to you are fever, which may signal infection, vomiting, which has a differential diagnosis all its own, bilious vomiting, which is worrisome for obstruction, blood in the stool, which could suggest anything from infection, hemorrhoids or fissure, milk protein allergy, 
inflammatory process, or any number of other pathologic reasons for ineffective stooling. Drawing up the legs to the chest, especially if paired with altered consciousness or lethargy between attacks, as this is a classic presentation of intussusception. A tight, empty rectum, especially if there is an explosion of stool when you remove a gloved finger during your rectal exam, as this is concerning for Hirschsprung's disease. Or any other anatomic abnormality, such as anal stenosis or a sacral dimple or tuft of hair. And because babies can't tell you much of this, it will depend on you being an astute clinician and asking the right questions as you gather history from the parents. So let's say there aren't any red flags and the parent tells you that the baby's straining and crying to have a bowel movement and nothing comes out. So you further clarify, okay, so when they do have a bowel movement, what is the stool like? And the parent tells you that it's a yellow semi-liquid CD stool. Bingo, my friend, you have infant dyskesia. The Rome 4 criteria for functional gastrointestinal disorders in infants and toddlers tells us that in order to diagnose infant dyskesia, the child needs three things. One, the infant should be under nine months of age. Two, they should be previously healthy with no major medical conditions. And three, they should have episodes of 10 minutes or longer of straining and crying before a successful or unsuccessful passage of stool. Now, what if the child has three minutes or nine minutes and 30 seconds of crying, straining, and screaming? Well, technically, it doesn't fit the Rome 4 criteria, but it's distressing to the infant and parent all the same. We can still reassure parents that the child is going through the learning process of how to squeeze and relax at the same time. And that's a normal developmental milestone, just like learning to hold their head up or roll over. Either way, you can provide the parent with the comfort that this is a self-limited condition that will resolve spontaneously without any intervention on their part. You mean there is no treatment? They're supposed to do nothing? No gas drops, no laxatives, no glycerin suppository? Yep, that's right. Absolutely nothing. The Rome 4 criteria recommend no diagnostic workup, medications, or medical interventions, because this is a functional disorder that will resolve with time. But this advice can feel terrible to a parent because we wanna help our child and a screaming infant can make a parent feel really inept because they don't know how to comfort them. That's how we ended up with products like Nose Frida's gas passer tube called the Windy. I want you to be aware of this product so that you can specifically recommend against products like this using evidence-based literature. The Windy markets itself as, quote, the natural solution for gas-related problems, end quote. It's essentially a small plastic tube designed to be inserted into the anus to release trapped gas. And for $12.99, you can have 10 of your very own single-use rectal tubes. In all seriousness, you should warn against this behavior since rectal stimulation with products like this or a rectal thermometer are specifically contraindicated according to the Rome 4 guidelines. Rectal stimulation may be disturbing to the child, may cause trauma if objects are inappropriately inserted, and may condition the child to wait for stimulation to defecate. 
and you should definitely make sure that the parent does not associate the dyskesia and discomfort with gas caused by breastfeeding. Mothers may feel like they should limit their well-balanced diet or stop breastfeeding altogether if the infant's gas distress becomes overwhelming for them. But your reassurance that the breast milk is providing excellent nutrition that is not harming their child is so important. Plus, switching to formula won't fix it, nor will switching formulas if the child is already formula fed. If we don't dispel those myths and the family switches frantically from one nutrition source to another over and over again, then the dyskesia will improve in time anyway, but the family will inappropriately associate the child's improvement with the changes they made. We want families to be armed with the right health education and babies to get the best nutrition they can. So there's really nothing a parent can do? Hold the baby during episodes to help them get comfortable. And although the guidelines don't specifically mention this treatment, tummy massage, along with bicycle kicking the legs, moves the gas through and can help the baby isolate their pelvic floor muscles and then coordinate the abdominal contraction with releasing the anal sphincter. It won't go away overnight, but slowly the babies start to learn how to isolate and coordinate these muscles and the cries become shorter and more satisfying with the passage of stool. Most cases resolve themselves in a few weeks to a few months. We need to do a better job as providers of educating parents about what is normal, telling them the physiology of what's actually going on with their baby, and give them reasonable expectations of what is to come so that they can have less worry about there being something wrong with their child. Every baby has to learn how to coordinate a bowel movement by bearing down with sphincter relaxation to pass gas and stool, whether it qualifies as true infant dyskesia or not. My hope is that understanding this functional gastrointestinal disorder a little bit better will help listeners give some reassurance, relief, and hope to other sleep-deprived parents of newborns out there. Maybe, just maybe, we'll get some sleep sometime soon. I hope that you'll like, comment, and subscribe to the Peds NP, where we focus on the practical application of evidence-based practice. There is no financial support or conflict of interest in this or any episode of the Peds NP. You can see show notes and references at www.thepedsnp.com. And remember, this isn't just a podcast. You're helping new parents get some sleep. I'm Becky Carson. Take care.